Well, good morning and welcome to Fresh Start Church Online. I am so glad that you're here. Uh, for our very first podcast. Uh, In fact, you're also here for the kickoff of our new series, Better Together. As I've been praying over the last few weeks, just kind of asking God what direction our church needs to go in. How how should we spend our summer? Uh, What do we need most right now as we're just trying to get started as a new church family? And I felt like God said community community. We need to learn how to live in authentic Christian community. We need to learn uh, more about each other, get to know each other better, learn how to love each other and pray for each other and support each other and encourage each other. And so that's what this new series is all about. Uh, If you've got a Bible, go ahead and open up to 1 John chapter 4. We're going to look at verse 7 all the way through verse 21. And this is just going to be foundational uh, to us learning how to love one another. And this is going to help us kind of lay the foundation for this whole series as we try to build uh, authentic community into our lives and into our church as we look through the Bible at lots of different one another verses over the next six weeks. First John chapter 4, starting in verse 7. Uh, John writes, Dear friends. Now, the reason he says that is because he's writing to Christians. He's, he's writing to fellow believers, people that have placed their faith in Christ and they've been adopted into God's family. And as we look at this scripture today, uh, it was written to the church family. Uh, that's who we are. And, and you know, everyone. Everyone who's got a biological family has lots of dysfunctional people in your family or your extended family. You probably have people that are struggling with their finances or you have people that are just difficult people. They always cause problems. You probably have some really irresponsible people uh, in your biological family. You probably have a black sheep in your family and probably some people whose marriages are struggling in your family and probably some people in your family that are uh, just, just always, always struggling with one thing or another. Well, the same issues are in our church family. They're in every church family. And so we want to make sure that as we lay this foundation of love for the next uh, six weeks, we want to make sure uh, that we see that, that our church family is just real people with messes just like some of us have, with problems just like we may have, real people, but... We're part of the same family, the family of God, and we're part of the same church family. And so we're going to be learning how do we function as a church family? How do we act towards each other? How do we help each other? Let's continue reading. John says, Dear friends, let us continue to love one another. Notice that word continue. Continue loving each other. Continue means that loving each other isn't just something we do once. It's not just something we do once in a while. Continue means ongoing, loving each other, ongoing, loving each other all the time, loving each other continuously. It's really a lifestyle of how we relate to our brothers and sisters in Christ. Let us continue to love one another. Why? For love comes from 
God. Anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God. Isn't that interesting? God says this is kind of proof that you're really a believer, that you're really in the family of God, that you've been saved. The proof is that you love other people. Verse 8 says, But anyone who does not love does not know God, for God is love. Notice the word is. It doesn't just say God shows us love or God is loving or God loves us, although he is, he does. It says God is love. Love is the very essence of God's character. It's not just something he does, it's who he is. He is a God of love. Verse 9 says, God showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. Verse 10, this is real love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. This is real love, not that we loved God, no, but that he loved us us and sent us a savior see god deserves our love god because of who he is because of what he's done he deserves our love so that's not real love to say oh i love you god because you've saved me no real love is that god loves us even though we're undeserving of his love he loves us even though there's absolutely nothing in us that's lovable. God sees us in the depth of our sin. He sees us in rebellion to him, and he loves us anyway. He sent Jesus to die for us when we were dead in our sins. God's love is unconditional love. It's undeserved love. That's real love. Verse 11, dear friends, since God showed us that much, since God loved us, excuse me, that much, we surely ought to love each other. So John's saying, hey, you know, church family, hey, Christians, hey, believers in Christ, since God loves us unconditionally, since God loves us despite all of our problems, weaknesses, and sin, we need to love other people the same way. Verse 12, no one has ever seen God, but if we love each other, God lives in us and his love is brought to full expression in us. Notice that word full expression. God's love for us gives us the reason to love others. God's love in us gives us the ability to love others and God's love through us gives us a way to love others. Verse 13 And God has given us his spirit as proof that we live in him and he in us. Verse 14 Furthermore, we have seen with our own eyes and now testify that the Father sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. All who confess that Jesus is the Son of God have God living in them, and they live in God. 
What John's saying here is that if you have received Christ, you're a Christ follower, you've said, Jesus, I believe you really are the Son of God. You are the Messiah. You are the Savior. I believe that and I receive you into my life and I place my trust in what you did on the cross as payment in full for my sins. All of us who can say that, who said, yes, I'm a believer in Christ, we have God living in us and we live in God. What does it mean to live in God? It means that we're we're resting in him, we're serving him, we're trying to obey him, we're following him. We're trying to live this Christian life and we're walking out our life in our relationship with God. Verse 16 says, we know how much God loves us and we have put our trust in his love. Isn't that interesting? How do you put your trust in someone's love? Well, you know, if you don't know how much God loves you, then you probably won't put your trust in his love. You know, if you aren't sure about God's love or how much he loves you, you probably won't put your trust in his love. See, I know how much Valerie loves me. I mean, we've been married almost 38 years. I know how much she has gone through with me and gone through for me. I I know how much she's put up with. And I know how faithful she's been. I know how loyal she's been. I know how much she loves me. And because of that, I know I can put my trust in her love. It's the same thing with God. See, you won't trust God's love until you know just how much he loves you. The longer that you follow Christ, the more you'll realize just how trustworthy God is. The the longer that you follow Christ, and the more you'll realize just how faithful he is. The longer that you follow Christ, the closer you walk with him, the more you'll realize that you really can trust his love. It doesn't usually happen quickly. It, It happens as we are on this spiritual journey as Christ followers and and we put our faith in something that God promises in his word and then we see it happen and it builds up our faith we put our trust in God for for our provision we put our trust in God for lots of different things in life and as we uh, walk we look back and we see that God has been so trustworthy he's been so good and the longer you follow him the more you'll realize how great he is and the more you understand how great he is and how much he loves you then you'll really be able to put your full trust in his love. Let's keep reading. Verse 16. God is love. There it is again. He doesn't just love us. He is love. And all who live in love live in God, and God lives in them. Verse 17. And as we live in God, our love grows more and more perfect. Isn't that interesting? How does our love grow more and more perfect by living in God? Well, it's because as as we're living in God, uh, he is working on us and he's working in us to conform us to be more and more like Jesus. The longer that we serve him and follow him, he he molds us and makes us into the image of Christ. And as he does that, uh, our love grows 
more perfect because we're more closely aligned with God and, and his love for us. You know, recently we had some discussions about judgment and some people are afraid that, you know, as Christians, they, they're still going to face judgment. They're going to face God's punishment. And, and I just love uh, how this next verse deals with that. So as we live in God, verse 17, as we live in God, our love grows more perfect. So we will not be afraid on the day of judgment, but we can face him with confidence because we live like Jesus here in this world. Verse 18, such love has no fear because perfect love expels all fear. If we're afraid, it's for fear of punishment. And this shows that we've not fully experienced his perfect love. What does that mean? It means the more that you understand the love of God and his gift of salvation, the more you realize that he is not going to punish you for your sins. Why? Because Jesus already took the punishment for you. When Jesus Christ died on the cross, he took the punishment for all of your sins, your past sins, your present sins, your future sins. And because Jesus already took the punishment, he was already judged guilty, even though he was perfect and innocent and blameless, he was judged guilty. And he took all of our sins upon himself. And he paid for them. And the Bible says he takes them away. He takes them away. That's why we don't have to fear judgment. That's why we don't have to fear the punishment of God for our sins. The punishment's already been given out. It was given out to Jesus himself. He did that for us. Look at verse 19. We love each other. Why? Because he loved us first. We can't love on our own. We can't create love. Love doesn't originate with us. It comes from God. God loves us and he gives us the ability to love. And notice it says he loved us first. God always takes the initiative. He approaches us and draws us to himself. He, he saves us and he loves us not after we cleaned up our act. He loves us in the depth of our sin and then he cleans us up as we follow him. He loves us and he enables us to love each other. If we didn't have God's love in us, we wouldn't love each other. If we hadn't been welcomed by God, then we couldn't welcome each other. If we hadn't been forgiven by God, we wouldn't be able to forgive others. We love each other because God loved us first. Verse 20. If someone says, I love God, but hates a Christian brother or sister, that person's a liar. For if we don't love people we can see, how can we love God whom we can cannot see? That's pretty blunt, isn't it? Love validates my faith. It proves that I really am a child of God. You know, I've got some Christian friends. I've known even some pastors over the years that they would say that they love God. They may study his word and serve him and, you know, be trying to think they're living for God. But they're mean. 
They hate some other Christians. They hate some brothers and sisters in Christ. Well, John is saying, that person's a liar. If we say we love God, but we hate other Christians, the Bible says we're liars. If we don't love other people that we can see, how can we love God whom we cannot see? Let's look at verse 21. And he has given us this command. Those who love God must also love their Christian brothers and sisters. Notice the word command and the word must. Loving each other isn't optional. This isn't a suggestion. Uh, Loving each other is a requirement. You know, one time some religious leaders who were trying to trick Jesus asked uh, uh, a trick question. They were always following him. They were always trying to discredit him. They were always trying to catch him doing something wrong. And and so they asked him this question. They, They said, which one of the commandments is the most important? Which one of the laws is the most important? And Jesus said the most important commandment is to love God. And the second most important is to love one another. It's a command. Love one another. Not only is it a command, it's something the Bible says we must do. Not only is it a command, but it's so important to Jesus that he placed it number two behind loving God. Loving God and then loving one another. That's huge. That's huge. I I know there's going to be people that get to their end of their lives and they think, oh, I should have loved my brothers and sisters in Christ. Some people are going to get to heaven and say, man, I can't believe that I didn't love you. I'm so sorry. They're going to see people there and maybe be shocked at who's there. Think, oh my gosh, I didn't, I wasn't even nice to that person. Let's get really practical now let's talk about how we can apply this how can we as people that are trying to follow Christ how can we learn to love one another specifically how can we learn to love our church family members just in our local church let's just get it real specific in our local church here at Fresh Start Church how can we learn to love each other Let's drop back a chapter and just look at three more verses. First uh, John chapter 3. Uh, I want us to look at verse 16, 17, and 18. It, here's First John 3 verse 16. We know what real love is because Jesus gave up his life for us. So we also ought to give up our lives for our brothers and sisters. Now we've just seen that because God loves us we should love our brothers and sisters now it's getting real practical uh this is real love jesus gave up his life for us he sacrificed himself for us so we should give up our lives for our brothers and sisters you see i think i think probably the main reason why we don't love one another why we don't get to know each other better and 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 build stronger relationships is because loving each other is sacrificial it's sacrificial. Loving each other takes time, and we are all so busy. We spend so much time on things, and so many things that we spend time on have no eternal significance. But we spend so much time on things that have no eternal significance 
that we end up not having time to follow God's command to love each other. Loving each other uh, is sacrificial. It takes time. It, it can also be messy. And it frequently is to get involved in other Christians' lives. It can be really, really messy. Uh, Valerie had a friend over recently, and they, they, they meet together on a regular basis. This lady loves God, is just an awesome woman of God. And, and as they met uh, and just shared, kind of caught up on what's going on in each other's lives, this woman's going through some really, really uh, heavy issues with one of her family members, some really sad stuff, and her heart's just, just weighed down and burdened. And getting to share that, taking time to listen, not just to some you know, surface comments of how are you? I'm fine. How are you? I'm fine. No, but really getting to listen to what's on people's hearts, really getting to, to, to listen to the struggles and the concerns that they have. It can be really messy. It can be really messy. Helping somebody who's struggling with an addiction can be really messy. Helping someone who's been physically abused can be really messy. Helping someone who's got terrible financial issues going on can be really, really messy. But God calls us to do that. He calls us to love one another, not to love the perfect people, not to love people once they get everything straight in their lives. No, he calls us to love people just the way they are. And that's just how he has already loved us sometimes sometimes giving up our lives for our brothers and sisters means giving up some money uh, you know sacrificial love can can be costly uh, look at verse 17 john says if someone has enough money to live well and sees a brother or sister in need but shows no compassion how can god's love be in that person John's saying if we love each other, if we love uh, our other church family members, really love them, and we have the ability to help someone, then we should help them. And if we don't, if we've got the ability to help one of our church family members and we don't help them, then John says he's not sure if God's love is really in us. One more verse, verse 18. Dear children, let's not merely say that we love each other. Let us show the truth by our actions. I love that. Love is an action. Uh, you know, if you've ever read through the book of James, uh, written by Jesus' brother James, man, he just deals with this. He says, you know, if you, if you say you have faith, but I don't see anything happening from it, I don't see any action. If you say that you have love, but I don't see any action, I, I, I don't see any evidence of those things, then it's worthless. It's worthless. John's telling us, if we love each other, let's show it. Don't just say it. Let's show it. How do we show it? By our actions. We don't just tell our church family we love them. We show them love. In his book, Mere Christianity, C.S. Lewis wrote this. Do not waste your time bothering whether you love your neighbor Act as if you did. As soon as we do this, we find one of the great secrets. When you're behaving as if you love someone, you will come to love him. You will come to love him. How do we, how do we act towards the people in our church family that maybe they're unlovable? Maybe they're the kind of person that kind of 
irritates us and pushes us the wrong way, what do we do? We just start showing them love, not telling them. We start showing them love. And as we show them love, we begin to actually love them. We begin to actually feel love for them. There's difficult people in every church, in every church family. There's irritating people in every church family. But here's what I know, and I've seen this over and over and over. When we pray and say, God, help me love them. Can't do it on my own. God, help me love them. God always does it. He always does it. He always shows up and he begins placing a love deep in our hearts for that person that may be unlovely. They may be an irritation. They may be just a nightmare and God helps us to love them. But we've got to ask him. We've got to say, God, would you help me love my brothers and sisters, especially God, the ones that I'm not sure I even like. Would you help me to love them? You know, I officiated a, a funeral uh, just a few weeks ago for a dear old friend of ours. Uh, we've been friends literally for over 20 years, and uh, she and her husband have traveled with us to different ministry events around the country, and they even, when, when we were missionaries in Central America, they even went with us uh, and, and helped us for the first month just to get settled in, to get our house ready, and uh, just sweet, sweet people. They love God, and, and they've been such a great role model uh, example for us and for so many other people. And, and so here I was uh, officiating this funeral of a dear sister in Christ. And I, I stepped out of the room. I was there early, spending time with the family, and lots of people were coming early and greeting the family. And I stepped out of the room uh, for a few minutes. And when I stepped back in, I saw someone in the back of the room that I hadn't seen in about three years. And I just felt some real pain uh, because of some things that had happened three years ago. And, and so when I saw this person, I wanted to avoid them. I, I, I should have said, God, please help me to love them. But I didn't. Not only did I not ask God to help me love them, I actually made a point to walk in the exact opposite direction so that I wouldn't even have to say hi to them, so that I wouldn't even have to speak to them. And I walked all the way up front and stood behind the, the podium there and, and waited uh, to begin the funeral. Here's what happens when we don't ask God to help us love someone. Here's what happens. God usually puts them even closer to us. He usually puts them, uh, brings them into uh, our life in a way that we're going to have to deal with this. We're going to have to deal with this. But I didn't. I tried not to deal with it that day. I tried to avoid uh, this person. I tried to avoid uh, my my feelings of hurt from the past. So I'm up leading this funeral. And I did what I do in every funeral or every celebration of life or memorial service that I that I lead. Uh, I said, if there's anybody here that would like to share a favorite story, favorite memory of uh, the friend that we're here to honor today, the person that has passed away, uh, please come up and share. Well, guess who was the first person? You got it. It was that person that I tried to avoid that I didn't want to be around, that I didn't even want to try to love. 
And as they came up, I had nowhere to go but just to stand there and give them the microphone. And I stood just a foot or two away while they shared. And as soon as they finished, they walked back to the back of the room. And we went on with the rest of the the uh, service. And when it was over, I thought, well, I'm just going to stay up here at the front of the room till that person leaves. I just don't want to have to deal with them. I don't want to have to see them. I don't want to have to talk to them. Well, guess who came back up, walked the entire length of the room to come back up to me and speak to me and say, I am so glad that you were the one that, 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 that led this service today, that led this funeral. Because they loved you so much. They loved you so much. And boy, did God just convict me. Instead of trying to love a brother or sister in Christ, I tried to avoid them. Instead of saying, God, you know how I feel. You know some of the aggravation. You know some of the hurt that's still there. God, would you give me love for this person? I didn't pray that. Instead of doing that, I just avoided them. But God didn't let me off the hook. He just brought them right up and brought them right up a second time. And and, and I had to deal with it. I had to deal with that. God wants us to love each other, not to avoid each other, not to just love the people we like, not to just love the people that are easy to love. He wants us to love each other. Every member of our church family, he wants us to love each other. Love is an action. It's a choice. It's a commitment. You can choose to love or you can choose not to love. Let me encourage you to put this into action today, this week. How do we start loving one another? As a church family, how do we start loving one another? Would you pick, just right now, I'm going to pray for you. Would you pick one person or one family in our church and do something to show them love this week? Maybe you can offer to take them out to lunch. Maybe you can invite them to go out fishing with you. Maybe you can meet for coffee. Maybe you can send them a note or just call them and let let them know you love them. Maybe you just call and ask if there's anything you can do for them. Would you pick one person or one family in our church and do something to show them that you love them, you care about them, and appreciate them? That's where it all begins. Not by saying I love you, but by saying I love God, he loves me, so I'm going to show you that I love you. I'm going to show you that I love you. Not empty words, but truth in action. Father God, I ask that you would uh, just speak to uh, my brothers and sisters listening to this message today. And Father, I pray that you would quickly place in each mind and each heart someone that they can show love to. One person or one family that they can show love to. And then, Father, show them how to do it. Show them specifically what you would have them to do. And Father, I pray that you would uh, bring down any objections 
that we have, uh, Father, in our in our minds or hearts, any of the reasons why we don't show people love, would you just bring down those barriers right now, Father, and help us to become a loving church family. Help us to learn to really, really love one another. Thanks so much uh, for joining us at Fresh Start Online today. Uh, I hope we get to see you Wednesday night at our life groups or uh, next Sunday. Uh, I'd love to see you in person so that we can let you know how much we love you. Thanks for joining us. Hope to see you soon.